You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. All right, folks, we've got uh, kind of a neat one for you today. We've gone all the way around uh, to the other side of the world to find uh, Thomas Simcoe. And uh, I've got a I've got a story about finding Thomas Simcoe that we can uh, that we that we can start off because there's a there's an interesting way that this conversation came about uh, over many many years. But uh, Thomas, is you you're a prof- are you a professor of mechanical engineering, Thomas? Well, it's it's technical term is uh, technical rank is senior lecturer. Some people get kind of particular about that. So I'm not a full professor. He's not a full far. professor. He's a senior lecturer <laughs> at RMIT in Melbourne, Australia. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. So, uh, and and we're really uh, we're really pleased to have Thomas here all the way from uh, all the way from Australia today via the magic of Zoom, and uh, and the the but the interesting the interesting thing uh, to start this off is Thomas and I lived next door to each other when I was in high school, <laughs> and so was and so was Tom. I guess you were more or less right at the end of high school. Thomas is at just a that's right. Yeah, we were a few years apart. Yeah. Yeah, we were a few years apart. And we lived next door to each other, and then we went our separate ways to university, and and totally lost touch with each other for God thirty years, and then Thomas is back in Canada a few weeks ago and touched base with with my mother and my brother, who of course he knew as well, and and I I wasn't able to be to to see him when he was here, but then we got in touch afterwards, and and in the mean when while he was gone, I went into this crazy business. Uh, uh, doing magazines and a window and door magazine, the Fenestration Review and Fenestration Conversations that you're listening to right now. And Thomas has a specialization in window and door and energy efficient building technology at RMIT. And it's just, it was just the craziest thing that we had both ended up in this silly business of of, of, of windows and fenestration. And, uh, and, and so I said, hey, you know, we got to get on here and talk about uh, about about the Australian scene and about some of Thomas's research because there's a lot of interesting stuff there. So, welcome, Thomas. Uh, right. It's 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 really great to see you again after all these years. You too. Yeah, oh, that's, that's so, the so, Yeah. So, listen. Start start out start us out, Thomas, with a bit about your about about your background and and sure. and, and what let, you do at the university you. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how I ended up in the Windows world. Yeah. Um, it was another one of these fortuitous stories. Uh, um, like you said, we went off our separate ways. I went to a much better university. Oh! Queens. <laughs> Queens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did engineering physics and mechanical engineering there. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up at the University of Sydney. I was knocking on doors looking for a job as a backpacker. And this professor said, yeah, I'll hire him. I'll hire you. And he was working on vacuum insulating glazing or vacuum windows. Perhaps we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and just for a few months. And then later I immigrated to Australia and he said, why don't you do a PhD with me? And his name was Dick Collins and he changed the course of my life. So I ended up working on windows for my PhD. And then he said, you know, I don't like traveling anymore. Would you like to go on these uh, conference trips or these international experts meetings every six months? And I said, sure. And the next thing you know, I was plugged in with, with the International Energy Agency, Task 18, which back then was named uh, Advanced Glazing Materials. And so I was, I was, I had a front row seat with global experts on windows, folks from Lawrence Berkeley National Labs, so Windows and Daylighting Technology uh, program, and um, uh, NREL in Colorado, 
uh, they were sort of on the periphery. There's one person on the periphery there. Um, and, and in Europe and in Canada, Hakim Ahmadi at NRC. Um, and I not only was on the on on the, the front line or the front row seat, I, they actually invited me into working with them, uh, doing testing, guarded hot box tests, um, um, guarded hot plate tests, yeah. uh, infrared imaging, uh, thermography. And so and I was sending my samples out for their for, for them to measure them, collating the results. It was it was wonderful. I, I, very few PhD students get that level of involvement with an international network of experts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was even getting unsolicited job offers afterwards, but I wanted to stay in the land of sunshine here. <laughs> but, Smart, um, good choice. <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned you know I was I, I'm in sort of the area of energy efficient housing, and windows are just part of the building envelope, and of course that led to widening my expertise into just energy efficient building technologies and house is just a box sorry to be so simple about it and i love heat transfer and it's a heat transfer through a box different parts of the box and windows are just they've got lots of interesting heat transfers going on as as your members would know Mm -hmm. um and i I also branched out to hvac um and so I teach, I, I, I'm here at RMIT University in Melbourne. The R is not silent, so I can't say I teach at MIT. <laughs> MIT, yeah, yeah. If I say it quickly, maybe people will mishear it. <laughs> um, but I'm in I'm in the what's called the, the, the school of, it's a real mouthful, pro, uh, project uh, construction and sorry, property construction and project management. Um, yes. But it's essentially, it's a built, built environment. It's like a school of built environment. Yeah, uh, we like to say it's the largest in the southern hemisphere, but in Australia, that's bragging rights for so much. It's always the largest in the <laughs> southern hemisphere. The largest underground parking garage in the southern hemisphere. So well, you're comparing yourself to Antarctica, so you know or, it's kind or of Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Brazil. Or Brazil, yeah. <laughs> or South Africa. Yeah, Brazil. Brazil's um, good competition. That's 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 yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, but I still have a my foot in the door in Canada. I'm with Professional Engineers Ontario, um, and and I also still teach online, of course, with the University of Toronto, uh, with their School of Continuing Studies, a course with HVAC, and another one on energy efficient buildings. I have a few modules in there. I'm not putting an endorsement plug for that one, but I do have a course starting in just a few days. But oh, <laughs> okay. sign up, folks. Run, <laughs> run, don't walk to the University of Toronto. I, I just continuing I credits with Thomas. Yeah, I just uh, but it's, it's it's continuing study. So, um, so what I'm going to do talk about here is the, the state of Windows technology in or the Windows industry in, in Australia. I'm an academic, so I have a very academic bent. I'm I'm not actually working in the industry, but I I interact with people in the industry. I hear stories. I have some stats, so I'll pass some of that on to you, your your members. One of the themes you might hear from this is that it's pretty basic here. Um, dare I say primitive? I, I won't get into trouble. But <laughs> <laughs> stake in my house for that one. It, it, it's it's really you'll be shocked with some of the information I'm going to tell you. And the reason why I'm telling you that, aside from just general knowledge of what's going on down under, is that there could be some business opportunities for some of your your members or some of your listeners. And you're thinking, what shipping Australia uh, shipping Windows to Australia? Well, it's not that far fetched. Yes, we do have a homegrown. Uh, industry, manufacturing industry here, but it doesn't meet all the needs. In fact, I can't believe this, we import windows from overseas. One of the most heavily advertised companies here 
they they import them from the UK. They came to my house when I was looking at uh, retrofitting, and they said, "Oh, it's a three four month time lag because we got to get them shipped out from the UK." I'm going from the UK. That's halfway around the world. I know. And like, I, can't they I, at least get them from China? Well, yeah. Right there's there. another family we know that were they're on the wait list for three months to get them. I think it was from Taiwan or somewhere in the Far East. Oh my goodness! Uh, but but the reason for that is okay. The the wages here are pretty high. Uh, I'll put things into perspective here. Uh, one Canadian dollar buys 107 Australian dollars. So it's a little to my advantage here. Let's say they're about the same. They're always within a few percentage, a few mm. percent. But the minimum wage here is $21 an hour. But in manufacturing, it's going to be higher than that. Um, it's just the labor costs just kill manufacturing here. I mean, we used to have a car industry. Uh, up until a few years ago, manufacturing, gone. The, the, the level of manufacturing here is not the same as in Canada or in America. A mm. lot of stuff's imported. So if I say anything here that tweaks anyone's interest, maybe I can forward them on to folks here who can tell them more about it in the industry. You know, maybe there's some potential partnerships with local companies. You know, Canadians make the glazing, they ship it out here, do the framers, uh, do the framing here. But I think actually the the the... the sort of choke point in the pipeline is the install installation. When I had my house retrofitted, you know, it was several months to get it done because they just can't keep up with the demand, probably even more so now because of the skill shortage, which is not unlike Canada. So um that's fascinating. That's that's yeah. uh, that's you know yeah wow food food for thought for everybody and i i, I hope yeah. i hope all the information we're doing here is is you know we'll, we'll we'll get a little bit useful for people to have an idea of the of the picture there and uh you know this this is something as canadians we don't think about enough i mean there's a there's a ton of expertise here in making windows and doors there's there's uh this 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 podcast and this magazine goes to over four thousand companies across the okay. across the country that do this kind of work and and you know we never look at we never look at doing anything except maybe shipping stuff to the states uh, no, sometimes, no. and you know it sounds like it sounds like there's something there. Well, I mean, if, if they're shipping windows out, like they sound like the Rolls Royce of windows, they're shipping them out from the UK. They're coming through the Suez Canal or around South Africa. I mean, if they're being made in Vancouver or BC, put them on a boat right across the Pacific. Yeah. Or, Eastern Canada put them on a train out to Vancouver. How could it possibly be any more expensive than shipping them out from the UK? There's no way. There's no way. And then, and then, even with the manufacturing costs, as you as you say, I mean, twenty one dollars an hour is a little eyebrow raising. That's that's for sure. Uh, that's 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 a that's a that's that's that is expensive labor for sure. But um, you know, surely that must you must be able to recover that from the product then. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, out exactly. the other side. So, so I mean, people are willing to pay top dollar for these imported from the UK. They, I mean, I have a house, a bungalow, um, uh, 19 windows of, of windows, two of them are sliding doors, so really, uh, 17 windows and two sliding doors, glass. And and the window to wall ratio here is it probably about 0.4. It's much greater than Canada. Some rooms will be well over half of glass. And they were charging, they were charging $89,000 for those imported windows. And people buy them. Uh, and they offered financing for these windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I ended up paying $53,000 with a company that, which I have already sort of done some research with, five, five minutes up the road. They make them here, right in the, in the suburb. So, you know, so you're looking that's, at for, that's, that's, a, that's a bungalow, one-story house yeah. uh, with a lot of windows, $53,000 reduced. 
My goodness, and and and, and double and, and big spans, and and well, we're and we're we're going to get into it. like like what are some other um like on a typical window purchase in uh, in in Australia? I think you were telling me before, uh, uh, still a lot of aluminum. Uh, still a lot of aluminum, yeah, or aluminium as it's pronounced. Aluminium. Here. I'm sorry. So yes, please excuse right. me if I jump between the two languages. <laughs> um, I think we we sort of went through a an, an, an idea of questions to ask and. and if, could we yeah. just jump in sort of the order of I was thinking of? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like there was one there we were going to ask about comparing. Yeah, well, you... that's yeah, that's I mean, that's 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 where I wanted to okay. go here was you okay. know if we're if we're going to so talk can I, can about I compare the standards and how we yeah. how we how we we analyze them because it's it's not too far off from Canada. Like manufacturers, everything. Oh no, we're going to have to use different programs and it's going to be complex and that's probably why we don't even ship to Europe. Let me assure you, it's not that drastic. Okay. Um, now it's been a while since I've worked in Canada, but I had to look it up online just to remember. I mean, um, the energy rating is based on well, I'm not unlike here. U values, solar gain coefficient, visible transmittance. There are certain organizations allowed to do this. Uh, they're they're accredited. They use CAN CSA A four forty point two, generally done by simulation, usually and using the programs Therm and Window, which we use here. <laughs> Great. So it's, not, it's it's actually interchangeable. Um, now, I couldn't tell it from the standard, but my recollection, well, I know the standard references NFRC, National Fenestration Rating Council standards mm -hmm. out of the U.S. And my recollection was that the standards, the, the, the test conditions were the same, that the minus 18 on the inside, 21 on the outside degrees, and the uh, surface co heat transfer coefficients in an out indoor outdoor were the same. So it's all it's co it's conversant with the American system. So U values produced in Canada are comparable to how they would be uh, generated in, in America. That's my understanding. Your members would know more about that than me. But um, here in Australia, it's not too different. Um, so just have my notes here. Yeah. Let's say a window manufacturer has a new product and they want that to be uh, accredited, et cetera. So what, uh, there's something called the Windows Energy Rating Scheme, WERS, W-E-R-S. And folks can look that up online, just Google WERS Australia. It, it's a database of the window, uh, of, uh, it's a database owned and administered by the Australian Glass and Window Association. Another thing they can look up, A-G-W-A. Now, this is how it works. Um, if you want to get your product listed on the WERS database, you send your, your uh, as a manufacturer, you send your drawings and your materials specs to an accredited simulator. Someone who's actually, like in Canada, someone who's been accredited to do, to do the work. Yep. And that simulator works with Window and, and Therm, the exact same programs that came out of the US. And uh, according to the AFRC, Australian Fenestration Rating Council, simulation protocols you think oh, okay now we're getting into australian standards but hey whoa they actually use nfrc protocols for and, and window sizes so it's 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 all conversant yeah there you go well, if you're already nfrc you're not going to see yeah, any yeah, yeah same, same thing you know, the only difference that the that i could tell that the afrc does they look at block and and uh uh frosted glasses i think that there's some it's different types of glass and it's exclusively in metric so that the, otherwise it's the same so the accredited simulator works through this 
turns over the data to WERS, they do a quality check. Uh, and they, you know the U value, the solar heat gain coefficient, an audit essentially, mm -hmm. and then they take those those pro, those values and they put it into a sample house, a model house that they have. In uh, one of the programs is accredited for whole of house simulation. Here, we have a program called um, or a system called Natters National House Energy Rating Scheme. Okay, and. Essentially, it's a protocol for simulating the energy demand on a house, heating and cooling demand. And there are four programs that are accredited for this. They're all the same. They all use the same, what they call engine, called the Chenath engine. So they all spit out the same numbers, or they should. It's all the same algorithm. So WERS picks one of them, puts the numbers for the window in, simulates it, and then comes out with a energy rating for that house based on those windows. And then it assigns an ID number for that for that window and it's based on you know whether it's double glazing uh, low e or low solar heat gain coefficient it's all there's a code to it you can look that up if you want but and it publishes the results and it adds to the library automatically to the updates the uh, for the, to the library of these four programs so that other people can say I'm going to pick this company XYZ product 31 and plug it into my house and see how it does. And that that's all there is to the process. It's, so that's interesting. So that's a tool, that's a tool actually for the um for the contractor who's trying to get the house approved um yep. for their energy rating. And 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 your window is is like you say, given this, given this rating, given an ID number yep. based on that engine. And 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 those tests that are that are the, I guess the numbers that are generated by the NFRC testing. Sorry, what yeah. I'm calling the NFRC testing, which is yeah. the same yeah. for you guys. And then and then okay, and so now the con so now the contractor can say okay, these are so it's like when you were describing that, what was going through my mind was Energy Star, right? Yeah. Because sorry, I, le I left that out. Can I can I jump in? Yeah, yeah. I left out that key point. Okay, so. The, the, these four programs, and I use one called First Rate 5 because it's free. Mm -hmm. uh, the other ones have bells and whistles. I'm a cheap academic. I like free stuff. So, <laughs> so if I take XYZ window and plug it in there, put it, all the windows in the house by XYZ, I run it, and it churns out a number for me. It says this house has a 6.5 star rating. So the Natter's Energy House, ratings, uh, uh, house Energy Rating Scheme is on a, z a scale of 0 to 10. Uh, zero is like does nothing. The window does nothing, or the house has like zero energy efficiency. Ten is pretty darn good. Um, right now, the actually say back in I think it was two thousand six, the Building Code of Australia, as it was called then, mandated five a st star rating of five. I think it was two thousand twelve. It was up to um, uh, six stars. And then last October, they said, well, starting this May of this year, 2023, it's going up to seven stars and uh, the, with a transition period until October. So we're going into a much higher regime now, which is going to demand better windows. Um, does that answer your question about that? The that is a, that, that's an awesome and that's a key, key point. And, and it's, it's interesting because in that one very... One in that one area, at least, Thomas, you you guys are ahead of of Canada, uh, in at least in the way in in how the jurisdictions have have approached the, the energy efficiency question, right? 
this performance path, we, we would call that performance path um, uh, compliance with, with the energy uh, requirements, right? Where you can take the whole house and you can say, and you can model it and you can say, this is, this is how the house performs and you can, and then it, 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 it doesn't like you can have trade-offs, right? You could, you could have worse HVAC and better windows or, or vice versa. Yes. Right. And, and as long as the energy budget of the house is below what you're looking for, you see, and that, that sounds like kind of what you've been doing. And you're saying that's been in place since 2006. Well, we've only recently, uh, uh, BC started it and, and we've only recent, well, we've only recently had energy standards of any kind, uh, to be honest, uh, any sort of, well, I mean, we've had standards, but they've all been voluntary. Everything has been voluntary, right? Wow. Yeah. We, it, it's all been completely voluntary until, until, well, and then and then we finally got some air we got some air water tightness uh, requirements NAFs North American Fenestration Standard. Uh, we got that a few years ago. Uh, I, I'm going to say that started in about 2010 ish somewhere there. I'm, I I don't have notes like you. I, you're much better prepared than I am. And 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 it was around Very 2010. And 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 then um, and it, but for the energy stuff, that was only in the would have been the uh, national building code that stuff started to come in in, in like the, the 2015 uh, uh 2015 versions of it so so that it's it's very new and then and then the, and then the provinces passed some energy efficiency laws anyways i'm not going to go through the whole regime but 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 point being point being you guys are a good 10 years ahead of us on having wow. any kind of mandatory in the code uh, uh, energy require energy efficiency requirement for homes. Well, and, I guess we're not that backwards as I thought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now how your number system, like you say, they started out with a five or whatever, right? They yeah. started or a six. Yeah. And, and, or, or no, they started out lower than that. Even they started with a five and they've been, yeah. 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 And, and, and how that translates to what we're asking for now today, like we're talking today well, okay, here's the mandate in Canada right now is all new built homes by 2030, okay, are supposed to be net zero homes. That's where they're getting to. So you literally, the house does not use any energy that isn't, that it doesn't produce. That's, or at least that's, it, sorry, net zero ready. Right. So what they're saying is theoretically, if you put solar panels on this thing or something like that, you could you 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 could make enough energy to, to run the house without the grid. That's that is the that is the model that they're that they're going to, and that's where the standards are trying to get to. So how how do you, how, how do you think that compares? Like so this level seven you're talking about in Australia, how do you think that how do you think that compares? Okay. So um it's based on heating and cooling loads here. So it's a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the numbers, I can give you the numbers, but they're, they're meaningless because they're, you, know, you don't have much of a, a cooling requirement as much there. The new si system is going to take into account things like PV on the roof. Right. And, and appliance efficiency, which it doesn't now. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the, the, the solar thermal was allowed to help the, the star rating before with the four before, but not now. 
I should also correct or back up. I don't know when the simulation software became available, but certainly before that, you could get your star rating based on following requirements within the code, which is now called the National Construction Code. There's another proviso in that, just like in Canada, we have distinct societies too. Mm -hmm. uh, the states here, as we call our pro pro call the provinces, mm -hmm. are they still have sort of a parochial, some of them a parochial colonial mentality. So some of them like to go their own way, but this is generally nationwide. The equivalent of Ontario here, the most populous uh, state of New South Wales has its own star rating system called basics, but it is essentially the same. Uh, they just call it something different. And that's a very simplification, but otherwise it's, it's a nationwide scheme. Okay. Okay. So you've got, so the, so, so right in your code now, is it always performance path? It's it's always this star rating system that and 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 that's the only thing you have to meet. Like because here in Canada, we also do a prescriptive paths where you can not look at the whole picture of the house as long as yes. the individual components that go in yes, are meeting. That that's yeah, there is exactly the same here with our national construction code. You can do the prescriptive. Or you can do the simulation, the performance. Oh, okay. Either way. Okay. So on the prescriptive path for Windows, um, what are they calling for? What 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 are the what what's the standard there? Nothing. There is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that leads into what I'd like to talk about. Yes. But the frames and double glazing, and all that. Okay. Can I just put some context in here? Um, actually, just to talk a bit about the NFRC uh, protocols being used here. Uh, NFRC dictates or specifies areas for which you're going to, uh, you know, you, you can't just have a, any area you want to, give, to specify your standard window U-value. For example, a fixed window is 1,500 by 1,200 millimeters transferred into a, a metric. The problem here in Melbourne, here down in the southeast corner, I'll give you a context of the climate in a bit, is we tend to have very large windows, like huge windows. Um, so, you know, Companies here can come up with very highly efficient windows or very highly insulating windows, but when they turn the numbers over to the accredited modelers, they have to shrink these windows. They've got to base it on this, these tiny little windows, in which case the frame is now a big part of the heat loss. Right. Um, and that's, no, that's strike number one. The other thing is that the simulation uh, algorithm assumes that the frame fraction of the window is the same regardless of the actual size of the window. So if you have a window the size of the, half the size of the wall, it assumes the frame fraction is still 8%. And that just knocks out, it knocks back the people who put, the companies put the effort into designing and manufacturing good quality windows. Mm -hmm. But to get, give you some geographic and climate context here. So um, there's a lot of similar, Similarity between Australia and Canada, not just you know in terms of uh, liking sports and liking our grog. Um, <laughs> Canada, most of the population is along along the U.S. border. I think yeah. I remember it was like ninety percent live within what hundred yeah. kilometers. Everyone, yeah. yeah. Well, here it's mostly along the coast and mostly along the east coast, mm. with a pocket down here in the south of Melbourne, Adelaide, then a, a way out little isolated pocket in Western Australia called Perth, which is sort of like our Vancouver. They Kind of feel isolated and out of touch with the, uh, or the East Coast elites, or vice versa. It's got that same sort of vibe, um, and I say that affectionately. With affection, that's right. Yeah, but most of them are on the East Coast, and 
and the climate goes it's it takes a while to get used to it you know i go north for the winter <laughs> yeah instead of going south to florida i go to the north so yeah. darwin is the capital of, of the northern territory and it's not a huge capital um but the average temperatures there uh summertime 30 highs of 33 low, lows of 25 mm. uh winter time high of 31 low of 19 um the capital canberra where it actually does get below freezing it's up on the mountains down here in the southeast corner uh, summer highs of uh, uh, 29 low of 14 winter high low of 11 zero there are eight does eight climate zones specified by the australian um, building code authority i think i may have mixed up the terms there a b b a b c b i i can't remember the term but the, mm -hmm. the title of it but and they go from basically north to south i mean in terms of like hot humid at the top and then, then cold alpine in the in the south um darwin's in the worst of the lot and then you go down the east coast halfway down to brisbane it's really hot and humid sydney's more tolerable as you're going down to the southeast and melbourne on the south we have cold winters and Darwin, if you do the, I've done the house simulations there. It's entirely uh, cooling load there. There's no heating load there. I mean, I wake up in the morning and get yeah. the morning forecast, and it's already in the low twenties every yeah. regardless of the season in in Darwin. Tropical down here in Melbourne. This is what surprises my students is that this is actually called a a heating dominated environment. Yeah, we have about maybe a few few days each summer when it's in the low forties, if you can believe well, it. Yeah. Some of the 30s. and it's scorchingly unbearably hot not this year but over the course of the year most of the energy for the space conditioning goes into heating surprisingly because it's a long overly pretty cold winter hmm. uh, okay we get frost on the ground a few days and then frost on the uh Winds, wind, windshield of the car a few times. And that seems years. like a terrible hardship to you guys. It right? is. Well, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. yeah. But here I'm going to give you some more context. Um, the standard glazing here for old stock houses before they started bringing in these building codes was single glazing. I kid you not. Monolith. Up north, down here. Yeah. It blew me away. The coldest winter of my life was in a, uh, an apartment block in Canberra with single glazed windows. And they have these louvers that are open to the, the, the outside for ventilation. It's nuts. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And, and, and that's what, know, yeah. And in a place where it is getting down below freezing and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, and a monolithic, yeah, you, you're going to need to blast the heat to, to. Yeah. Well, energy used to be cheap here. And, and I'm going to put this also in context, 79% as of 2019, 79%, they call it 80% of our electricity was generated by fossil fuel. Fifty-six percent of the of the of it was gener is was generated by coal, which is a national shame. Mm -hmm. So if we play with the numbers, I, I've looked. I've based on other numbers, I, I've been able to tweak out of it. About one point five percent of our energy consumption here in Australia goes through windows, either heat coming in or heat going out. Right. That's appreciable. Now you mentioned earlier about you know prescriptive. Um, what I would love to see put into the building code is thou must have double glazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think one to seven stars, that's probably going to happen. But even now with new houses, put most of them in double glazing, but here and there will have double, single glazing. Like, why? Like for a few dollars more, make it all double glazing. <laughs> 
Now, double glazing, I was out in the UK in the 1950s, but here it only started taking off in the 90s. Wow. Uh, low eagles, that's commonplace in Canada, right? Yeah. Oh, well, here, always. I think it was the, 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 the late 90s, early 2000s. And a friend of mine in the window industry, he summed it up very nicely. He said the window industry struggles to convince people to adopt higher technology. They perceive it's going to be way too more expensive. And yeah, the payoff payback periods are pretty lousy here. I'll talk about that in a bit. But like, for example, uh, low E coats, uh, that adds typically 10% to the price here. Right. But, you know, I know of three companies that just say, we'll give you a free upgrade. We'll just, just you know, give you a low, low E coat. They have deals with uh, with glass companies and, and they're, mm -hmm. they're able to do it. Um, well, they'll have, they'll actually have more trouble sourcing clear. Yeah, I should think so. They, they will because because ah. everything for the North American market is coded. Okay. <laughs> well, this is new. This is relatively new here. Yeah, <laughs> I should yeah. say relatively new, but it, it, the adopting it here is is, is it, it's right. starting to catch on. Right. But right. You, the, so the, the worst database is all with still has is littered with clear clear codes. Wow. You mentioned framing, so I'll finally get to framing. Mm -hmm. um, the most common in residences is wood or aluminum slash aluminium. Aluminium. Um, and again, I was like, I can't believe we have metal frames houses here. <laughs> so be it. And, and the difference practically is pretty obvious. We have very intense sunshine here. And so the wood, um, the paint flakes off. So it requires maintenance every few years. Mm. Uh, aluminum is less better performing. Mm -hmm. Vinyl or UPVC. Last I checked, it's kind of hard to get hard numbers, but it looks like about as of a few years, they had about 5% of the market and they're, they're making inroads. Uh, there was a problem with that at first UV stability, but the company that does that now says, Oh, we, we cracked that problem. I guess they put some additives in there, but the problem with the, the PVC or vinyl frames here is they just look stupid here. Like just what we have, I, they just don't meet the architectural aesthetics and that's something i would warn folks who might be thinking of getting into the australian market check into the aesthetics because it's the frames should typically be about that high that's okay. the aesthetic here we're looking the at it, frames, you're showing me about an inch there sorry yeah about an inch inch and a half so my apologies yep. that's right yeah so, yeah yeah, remember yeah this is audio recording yep um so when you get these chunky vinyl ones they look stupid and i i said to one uh window salesman i said it looks like he just took something out of Europe and transplanted it here. It just and you see it on houses; they just they look dumb. Yeah. Um, they look out of place. So, the way to go, I believe, to meet that uh, ar architectural aesthetic is thermally broken aluminum, and that is that is here. It's not as popular because of cost, but uh, the best performing are wood and vinyl. Uh, thermally broken aluminum isn't isn't far behind, and it looks mm. good. You pay a little extra for it, quite a bit, but it's it looks good. You know, if 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 you were a if you were a Canadian manufacturer with with any kind of ambition uh, uh, for, for 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 exporting, you you ought to be licking your chops at this because 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 what what you're describing to me is a is a is a is a a country five percent vinyl like oh my god like everything is vinyl here. Uh, I know, uh, uh, like like. That 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 has great big, huge format 
windows all over the place, right? Everyone yeah. has big glass everywhere, right? Here, in the yeah, here in Australia. That's what I'm talking about. And and a, a ton of monolithic still in place with energy codes that are moving that are going to force all of those to be renovated and all and anything new built to 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 go to at least double glazing, right? And if you have a nice thermally broken aluminum or a thin profile vinyl, because it, because yes. because you can do you, you there's lots of vinyl formulations here now that are that are not that chunky you know uh, uh, look so much that uh, that that you used to always have to get and like it's just a, it just it just sounds like a colossal opportunity for somebody who can come in with a who can come in with a a, a large good good well good insulating with a with a with a a, a a decent thin profile frame and the frame as as you pointed out the frame doesn't even have to be uh as high a performance as you get here as you do here in Canada um, because if your insulating glass is good, you've got that much of a span. Although, like you say, the problem is with the uh, the problem is with the test um, the test requirements there. If they haven't addressed this uh, changing sizes, uh, so that you, you you calculate the frame dimensions properly, um, that that does that does create a bit of an issue. But you know what? That's something that really needs to be. I mean, we've we've done a lot of work here addressing that at the at the code like at the, at the standards levels, right. To get that stuff changed so that you have some more testing options. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe that's work that still needs to be done in Australia. I should also preface that I mentioned, you know, large windows down here in the Southeast corner in the South up North in Darwin, generally the windows tend to be smaller because you know, oh. the high, sort of game. but, yeah, um, too hot, yeah. but, but, but here you get like walls, entire walls, wind glass it's just crazy um the other, thing, the other opportunity is that you know with low solar heating coefficient windows i mean you don't I, i'm assuming that's not a big deal in canada but really it's just a matter of putting the coating the low e coat on the other on on on, on uh surface number two mm -hmm. i asked a, uh, a salesman about that he didn't know what i was talking about i'm like you sell windows. You don't know where the, I mean, you can just scratch the surface and find out where it is. Yeah. But I'm like, you don't know. I mean, it, up north in the outback, you want low solar heat gain. So you want that low E coating on surface two on the mm -hmm. interior of the outdoor pane. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's just, in that actual, that product, you know, it had a cross section of it. And I got out my ruler and there was a 19 millimeter gap between in the, in, between the two panes going, you realize that you have more gap here than you should. He said, what? Yeah, the ideal gap for argon or air is 12 to 13 millimeters. Right. No clue. And I'm, so the this is just anecdotal. I'm not saying the whole industry is clueless, but to actually have people out there selling this stuff and not know the basic science was shocking. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's an yeah. opportunity. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what you can get. And yeah. Uh, it, yeah, okay. And then, so on the, yeah, I mean, that's the, the solar heat gain is obviously like we have, we get into controversy, the, the whole seat when, when energy star, especially uh, which is, has guided a lot of the energy efficient window construction in Canada was uh, conceived of uh, in the, in the seventies and eighties. Um, the assumption very much then was that, 
Um, you know, it was all about heating load and, and, and we need to maximize solar heat gain, uh, basically all the time. And, and the standard was really designed so that the more solar heat gain you could have on a window was basically always beneficial to your ER rating. Um, and the, the world is moving on a little bit from that, uh, e even here in Canada, um, because we are finding, um, and, and I don't, I don't know if it's a climate change thing, Thomas. I don't think it is. I think it's more just that um, people in Canada got into having air conditioning, uh, and 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 we we didn't even you and I probably I don't think we even had it on Hillsmount. Crescent. Well, I was, just, I was just, as soon as you said that, I thought growing up there was the Chang's house. They had air conditioning, that's, and that was that was the only one I knew. Even that's right. You, the fancy Chang's. The fancy yeah. Chang's. The what, what, what was he a doctor? Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the very fancy change. That, that, that's something for our, our listeners is like, you know, color TVs and air conditioning. That was, that was luxury. <laughs> I got my first VCR on Hills Mount Crescent. Boy, that was exciting. I'll tell you the day they brought in that, cable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's Thomas and I, Thomas, our houses right, right next to each other. Nice houses, nice street. Our, our our parents both did well and 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 there there was no air conditioning and yeah. and 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 that 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 was that was just typical now you can't buy a, you can't buy a house in canada without air conditioning everyone has air conditioning and it, it, so so you know that's 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 been a change so the, the, the anyways that's just to say that the whole solar heat gain thing has um is it is in a bit of is in a bit of a flux here and there it sounds like um, it's still highly regional, right? Like, 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 Canberra is going to want one thing, and Darwin's going to want something very different. And that that leads into what I was, I, what I had written down, jotted down notes wise here. Sure. Is, yeah, Dar Darwin, it's all about solar heat gain coefficient. Yeah. Here, or I should say, about getting low ones there. Here, mm -hmm. you want high. And I, I just did a, a study on this. Uh, I'm not, don't mind touting this. I'm not going to, you know, make any money out of it. If you want to Google the paper, it's called Optimal Window Designs for Australian Houses. My name is Tom Simcoe, S-I-M-K-O. I'm lead author, one of yes. two authors there. Um, and what I've done is I, I looked at different types of windows, different types of frames for the five capital cities that encompass 70% of the Australian population. And, well, no big surprise. You want low, e, low solar heat gain coefficient in Darwin, and you want relatively high in Melbourne. You do not want low solar gain uh, windows here in Melbourne because you, you you want that free solar heating in the winter. And this is something I know this for your members and listeners. This is just common sense. I, I'm sure this is old hat. <laughs> yeah. you know, who am I I'm talking down to them even saying this? But you know, here I see houses with tinted windows, and probably windows I don't know they have low solar heat gain windows as well but you just can't see that and I go why would you do that because you need that that free solar heat gain in the winter to offset your heating costs and yeah you you pay for that uh you know you got yes yeah, so you're gonna have lower cooling demand or cooling load but you're also you're gonna have uh that's going to be offset by your lower heating load in the winter and people just don't seem to understand that they go all they remember is yeah it was you know it's really hot here last winter or last summer it was like scorchers it's like three three days in the 40s we need tinted windows but they just don't seem to understand that and i i find it scandalous that there are people selling windows 
tinted windows to people without telling them, or probably ignorant of the whole fact of the modeling. The modeling clearly shows that you do not, should not have tinted windows in Melbourne or low solar heating coefficient, because of course you can do that without the tinting. Mm -hmm. uh, now, yes, with a proviso, some rooms you might want that, like in a breakfast nook or or yeah. There's or a comfort. There's a comfort and glare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If, if you're looking, if you're if you have a huge wall-sized window looking overlooking the bay westward, yeah, there's a reason for that. But the whole house, certainly not. Um, mm -hmm. And so, the way we deal with solar heat gain here, aside from engineering the windows or having the uh, the low E coating on that surface too, or tinting, is typically um, with orienting the, the, the house. That's a big deal here. Uh, I'm speaking from anecdotal observations, from going up to Darwin, to going to Brisbane, et cetera, uh, orienting the house or having a lower area of windows. Uh, you don't generally, I recall from Darwin, you don't generally have wall sized windows there <laughs> because it's. Yeah. So you just score. So, it'd be like being in an aquarium, yeah, yeah. A greenhouse. I mean, Dar yeah. Darwin is twelve degrees below the equator. Um, wow, it's so hot and humid there. Uh, humid certain seasons, I just could not live there. Well, lovely place, but just not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, so you deal with it by orienting have smaller windows, deep verandas, uh, oh. or or the um, eve overhanging the the width of the eve is much wider. Uh, much more than in Canada. I mean, in Canada, it's just to keep the rain off, you know. But here it's, and in fact, there's a style of house, if you want to look it up, called a Queenslander. It's a beautiful style. It's just basically the house is on stilts. <laughs> they say it's just to keep the snakes out, but that's the side. <laughs> it's, it's for the ventilation underneath the yeah. floor. But the classic, one classic style of the Queenslander or a country home is you have a porch or veranda all the way around the the, the walls, and it's covered with, with an, an overhang. From the from the uh, from the roof, or you have pergolas or plants, um, trees right up against the windows. Not a good idea here. You want to take a guess? The snakes again? Uh, well, I never thought of that one, but it's the fires. The the, the, oh, the gum trees. Right. Yes. Yeah. The gum trees here are flammable, and in fact, I can't. Don't quote me on this. Just from recollection, I believe fire codes in country areas or fire prone zones. Or if not that, insurance requires people to have the, the trees back 12, 10 meters from the house. Okay. And besides, and this is a little known fact, uh, the trees here don't shed their leaves. So, you know, the ideal type of tree is a deciduous tree mm -hmm. where it loses its, le its leaves in the winter, like an oak tree. Mm -hmm. And then the sun comes shining through and then the leaves grow back, providing the shade in the summer. I don't know if they do well, deciduous trees do well in in the tropics i've never seen oak trees up in darwin but um generally the, the trees here aren't suitable for that you know shedding by the seasons because they just don't tend to do that unless you have imported trees or huh. you know, that's interesting so yeah you're, you you if you have a tree you've got it all the time whether it's whether it's hot or cold another two other approaches for dealing with solar gain here very common approaches are are um, adjustable shade screens they're essentially awnings you just pull them out in the summer and they just lean out, extend out over the window. It's just like a, it's just like, a, like an umbrella almost, or a, a covering. Um, and or you can do that. Uh, usually, it's like you just get out there in the, summer, in the beginning of summer and pull it out. You can have that done mechanically. Also, yeah. there are these roller blinds, uh, electric roller blinds. They're metal screens, and they're done by actuated motors, and they come right down. They're for security and also fireproofing, but also and for shading, all three purposes. Although. I've heard of one study that says you really don't want to be sealing up your house in a in a in a bushfire 
because it just makes things worse because the pressure builds up and then poof, the whole house just explodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, it's just one study I've heard of. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, sounds bad. But that's how, that's how solar gain is dealt with here. Okay. Uh, but you know, the much easier way is just having a low solar gain window uh, with that yeah. low E coating on, on that surface. Well, they, that, that's one of the things, I mean, the, the difficulty, that's very interesting. And I, I, I wondered about the shading thing because um, it, it's been explained and, and, and a lot of architects, when you get at a conference, will pound on the table and, and say, you know, we, we could solve all of these issues with, with solar heat gain. And, and, and especially in Canada, it is an issue because half the year you want it and half the year you don't. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so it, the same window is not, is not doing what you want in, in, in at different times of year. Right. And of course, the way the Europeans have always solved that is with shading devices. Right. Yeah. They have, they have uh, shutters, they have awnings, they have blinds, they have uh, all, all manner. They have, they have overhangs, they have veranda, you know, like, like there's, there's the, the Europeans have always solved it with shading of one kind or another, but aesthetically, like it's it's really Thomas is just pure aesthetics in Canada. Yep. You haven't been able to get people down with uh, uh, doing something to shade their windows. Damn it! I want the I want the light coming in. I want the I don't want to yep. you know have any of this. And 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 so that was that was a fascinating thing. And it's a reason I I wanted the question on there was was because I I wanted to know if Australians are accept the shading. And it sounds like you do more. Yeah. No, I forgot to mention the other thing is these external blind or external shutters, like essentially louvers, big uh -huh. panels, either oriented horizontally or, uh, or, or vertically, more commonly uh, horizontally. And yeah, you can adjust those with the season if you want the angle of them. But, you know, the, so you have a window with a bunch of outdoor louvers, adjustable louvers. Uh, Australian architecture, I believe, more closely follows European, like generally Australia follows British European things in America. Uh -huh. um, this is almost sort of a nexus between America and the UK. If there's something I don't recognize, it's British. I blame it on the British. <laughs> right, right, uh, right, right. There, there's, there's greater American influences here. Cool. So listen, that 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 that's some fascinating insight into the into into the Australian scene, scene there. Um, I want to touch a little bit on some of the uh, uh, research that you've uh, done and been doing. Uh, because uh, you know, I, I I know you've been sort of out on the bleeding edge of of, of window science in some of these areas, and um, one of the one of the earliest things that you, you sent me a couple of attachments, and one of the uh, uh, things you did some work on was vacuum insulating glass, and uh, we're <laughs> we're we're still um, we're still waiting for the big commercial breakthrough on VIG. Um, I know that um, some architects have have been starting to use it in some very high end uh, projects, demanding um, uh, uh, very high energy ratings. Uh, I know there's a lot of curiosity about it, especially on commercial building. Believe it or not, uh, because that's where the dollars uh, uh, might justify it. T tell me, tell me a bit about about. I guess, well, what 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 you your work on it, and and actually, there's an interesting anecdote there that. I guess the University of Sydney was one of the early innovators yeah, with this, yeah. right? Yeah, well, actually, this is another sort of uh, amazing coincidences and where we've been with this. Uh, you said that you had in this podcast a while back, gentleman who said he was the father of vacuum glazing. I believe that would be Benson, David K. Benson, 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Energy Labs in, in in Colorado, and if he was the father of it, well, my PhD supervisor Dick Collins would be. Yeah, I hope you won't mind my using this term, the midwife, because he right. actually brought it to practicality. <laughs> okay. So, uh, vacuum glazing. Shall I explain a little bit about it? Because yeah, I'm sure. assuming yeah. some of your listeners might not know about it. Yeah. It is, in the bluntest sense, it is a flat vacuum, a flat transparent thermos flask, vacuum thermos flask. It's two sheets of glass separated by a small array of pillars, and I'll get to them in a bit, with a vacuum in between. So as you can imagine, if you suck out all the air, all that's left for that heat to go between the two sheets of glass is radiative heat transfer, which you can easily cut down with a low E coat, mm -hmm. and going through the pillars. And the pillars are tiny. They, they're about 0.2 millimeters across, 0.2 millimeters high. Uh, they're not huge sh uh, short circuits. They're about the company that makes them is about uh, that makes most of them is about the, the spacing. It's a square, regular array, twenty millimeters apart. Yeah, they're so small you got to get up really close to see them. The the, the the impact on the visible transmittance is nothing. It's negligible. Uh, they're sealed around the edge, so yeah, there's there's no uh, insulated edge spacer. So there's a some loss around there, but essentially it, it it's the spacing is 0.2 millimeters, so you have a double pane window. That is 6.2 millimeters wide. And there, there, the, the commercial breakthrough has already been made. Um, and it's um, with Pilkington. It was actually, I should give you some, some background for this. So uh, David Benson at NenRel grappled with some of the big issues. And uh, like he was thinking about, you know, how do you seal it? And it was my supervisor, Dick Collins, and his group at the University of Sydney, funded by an Australian, no, sorry, funded by a Saudi Arabian prince. Ah, uh, they developed the first practical. Uh, they came up with the first report, the first practical vacuum glazing. And the way you make it is you put down a sheet of glass, and then you put down the array of pillars. They're made of ceramic or inconel, and then you put another sheet of glass on top, and then you put a fillet of solder glass around that, and you heat it up, and you have a pump out tube in the corner, and you suck out all the air as part of this process. I'm skipping over the exact. Sequence of events, and then you seal that tube after you've baked out you know, gases embedded in the surface, and then you have a, a flat, a flat vacuum, uh, a vac flat uh, vacuum tube essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, that was so he had this in '89, got some patents out of it, and I believe it was in '94. '94 was when it was uh, Nippon sheet glass, so from. Saudi Arabia to Australia to Japan, the mm -hmm. glass, signed a licensing agreement with the University of Sydney. And it was in commercial production, I believe, by 96 mm -hmm. in Kyoto. And the demand was so great that they, uh, uh, they built another uh, production line. And the way they sold it was, hey, you know, these uh, pillars are really techno. You know, this is really advanced glazing. But at the time, uh, Japan was on a retrofit crusade. Uh, I shouldn't use charge words like that. Uh, they were just a, a push. They were trying to put, you know, there was money out there for retrofitting old houses, old buildings, which were glazed with single glazing, single, one, one sheet of glass. So right. rather than having to knock out the frames, you could just sort of make them slide these in. These these units were only six point two millimeters wide, so that that's what made them so popular. Hmm. Now, Nippon Sheet Glass bought out Pilkington, if I remember right, two thousand six. So it's now marketed under the Pilkington name. It's called Spatia, 
Yeah. Any folks can look it up. I'm not, not, this is not a product endorsement, but they happen to be the leaders in this area. So well, I don't own shares in Pilkington or NSG. So <laughs> Spacia, S-P-A-C-I-A. Yeah, and I, I believe Guardian up, has a product now too. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, I'd say there's the leaders are the original leaders in it. Yeah. And let me, let me give you some numbers from that. Um, okay. From my notes here, because and, and you can find product uh, brochures on there. They have a whole bunch of different uh, options. And my goodness, I should have stapled my pages together. Here we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're basic spatia. Uh, these are center of glass values, 1.2 watts per meter squared Kelvin. Mm -hmm. Then they have super spatia, which is 0 0.7, 0 0.7 center of glass. Now, wow. how do you get that? Well, you take your, 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 your spatia, you take your vacuum window, and you combine it with a single sheet of glass. So now you've made a triple pane window. Yeah. Or you put a double pane window with with the vacuum glazing being one of those panes. And you put argon between the two. So you can actually get this down to 0.7. Now, now you're starting to get thicker windows, but you know, it, it pays off with the 0.7 now. I'm being duplicitous with the numbers because or evasive because we all want to know about the um the overall window values. Mm -hmm. Uh they're not published, but you know. You can extrapolate if you can put these in a regular frame. Although there's a lot of edge loss through that fused solder glass seal on the edge, but um, it's not going to be none too different. Um, it's you know, the ones I've seen are in an aluminum frame, very small, but you know you're dealing with a 0.7 center of glass, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, um, you've got a lot of room for error on the frame yeah. if you're already. The one thing I can't find reliably online is the cost i mean one thing i saw was 100 to 400 dollars us dollars per square meter but i can't that that's third party information i don't know if you're interested in that you'd have to look it up with the companies themselves i mean there are also some knockoff companies out of china uh like and you said uh, was it single man as well yeah they, uh, guardian guardian has guardian, something guardian, yeah, that's guardian, guardian yeah. has something i, I don't know if cinco bain has a product sorry, sorry, or... sorry guardian i got the two mixed up but yeah guardian. i'm not sure if they do um so yeah and so um this is actually it's it's it, you can buy this stuff it, it's commercially available so the breakthrough yeah. is already done i've been assured by a colleague of mine at university of sydney still working on the project that the costs are comparable i just don't have a fix on the cost so it's out there um the irony is although it was developed here it's not marketed here in Australia. I guess the the the, the temperature extremes don't justify it, but I, I can order it special. And I know someone who had a house in New Zealand through a second. I know someone who had a house in New Zealand done it, vacuum glazing. It can be done. It's, hmm. I, I understand it's more common in in Japan, um, but that's that's all I know about the state of it now. Yeah, the, the I mean the, the 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 barrier here in North America ha, has been the cost. Uh, uh, it, it it's 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 significantly more uh, and uh, than most of than the, at least at least the the at the at the pricing historically has been significantly more than uh, than than a lot of other insulating glass. Like like there was there were a lot of ways to get to the level that was good enough. You know what I mean? Without having to where whereas a, a vacuum solution would be the best. There were a lot of, th and then, and then I believe there were some, at one point there were some durability concerns about the, about the, the, the edges failing or the pillars failing or something and the, and the, and the, and the glass touching. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't, those are, those are anecdotes. No, we, 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 we looked at that extensively at the University of Sydney and that's not insurmountable. Yeah. It's just a matter of 
putting the pillars closely together, close enough. In fact, right. uh, and the sample I looked at was 20 millimeters. You can, we were looking at 25, 30. So they're going conservative to make sure that the, yeah. the, 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 the edges don't fail. If edges fail on poorly, poor designs. Mm -hmm. If it's well-designed, it should not fail. We've looked through that um, in terms of probability fracture, fracture analysis, uh, mm -hmm. crack propagations. It's just, it's it, it basically, if you want to get a lower U value, you just keep putting the pillars further and further out. But when you do that, well, then you're playing for with fire with the cracking. So that's why I believe NSG went conservative with 20 millimeter spacing on the pillars. Awesome. The other thing is you can you can uh, combine you can use um, uh, tempered glass, but the problem with that is in the manufacturing process you can't bring it up to high temperature because then you lose the tempering. You lose your so yeah. Yeah. It's nothing to play with. Yeah. Um, okay. So that. Yeah, so that's that's good on vacuum glass. Uh, Can I just? Yeah, fact, what else you got? Reminded me of, what, just reminded me when I was talking about the state of windows here. I forgot to give you a rundown on U values. I mean, what's considered to be a good U value in Canada overall window U value? One point one point two. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, overall, oh, I'm thinking center of glass. Uh, uh, no, overall. Yeah. Well, the the over the overall is well right now. Um, code i believe is 1.2 and the idea is that by 2030 it's going down to 0.08 uh um, center of glass uh those must be center of glass ratings sorry thomas i i don't know i yeah. I, I, I can't remember the overall uh yeah, but the, overall, the overalls would be typically under two Right, right. Yes. And your, your, your listeners could correct me on that. Well, they can't because it's recorded, but it's nope. about two. And and um, I recall, I found one website in Canada was saying, you know, you should be looking at 1.4 or less. So mm -hmm. it's certainly of that lower order. Yeah. So I looked at, okay, what's considered to, what, what's the distribution of U-values here in, in Australia? And I, I, um, I looked them up from, value dates from 2016 to 2021 and i just checked it online before this just to see how it had been updated and i'm hoping i can find that uh, again but uh, oh here we are uh no well i'll just oh here we are okay so overall so what i've done is i've if you want to look this up uh it's under csiro uh that's that's our equivalent Na national research council CSIRO windows. Uh, you could just Google that window U values thing like that. It'll give you a, a rundown of by state or nationwide of like for houses, existing dwellings, new dwellings. So I'm going to go for all of them. Okay. And for, so for the entire country, back in uh, going dated up to 2021, only eight percent of the windows on all houses were less than four. Wow. <laughs> That's overall window U values. I'm not joking. Okay? Right, right. And, and I was just tallying it up. It's a bar graph. So uh, <laughs> I was looking at today's, it's about 12%, maybe 15%, 12 It's The point is the vast majority of them aren't worse than four. Now, that's for all. Sorry, that, now let's go for a new dwelling. Yeah. Well, I see that uh, looking at four, it, four is 8% and it goes down. I'm going to guess it's probably about 15%. For new dwellings, 15% have overall U values of four or less, just eyeballing it. Maybe, maybe, yeah, about 15, 16% at most. Uh, renovations, okay, 
it's, as I recall, a bit more than that. Clicking on that. Uh, renovations, it's looking like about below four, well, much larger. Uh, four is 16% itself, and that's uh, 26, 30, 40. It's about 40, just over 40% are four or less. So, in fact, there's quite a few. There's about 2%. Just, just over 1% there at, at U value of two. So uh, this is all part of my theme is uh, the windows here aren't nearly as well performing as what would be considered to be um, good, highly insulated windows in Canada. So there's... Um, and that's there's just a massive low-hanging fruit for, I mean, I mean, with your yeah, energy standards really tightening, that's yeah. just, that. that's the way that the builders... Uh, the easiest way is going to be for the builders to address these these new standards. I mean, two years ago, up to the date of 2021 renovations, only 21% were less than four watts per meter squared Kelvin. New mm. builds were 7.5%. So it's growing. It's certainly uh, better than what I looked at a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, low-hanging fruit is a nice way to put it. Wow. that's That that sums it up. Well, it is. Because I, I, I mean, I mean... Yeah. You get a you get a better window anyways. You 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 can you can reduce um, uh, a, a lot of uh, a solar heat gain or 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 loss uh, with 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 the coatings and with a, again a higher performing uh, insulating glass. Um, either way, and and you know when when the builder's looking at oh geez now I got to now I got to put in this seven star house. You know I, I everything's got to be everything's got to hit this level, which I never used to have to worry about before. Um, you know how do I get there? And, uh, you know, the windows are obviously the big. Now, the other thing I was just thinking of was I don't imagine anyone has any insulation uh, in anything. Um, people might start blowing insulation into their attics and be able to do a lot of good that way. But... <laughs> that, that reminds me, that's another thing I left out of the context here. Is there been a, lot, a few studies over the years of, okay, what are the savings from putting in new windows here in Australia? Yeah. Uh, when you look at, you know, new insulating the better insulating the walls or the ceiling and it, and time and time again it shows up that it's not worth it it's not worth the extra investment on the windows just work on the ceilings and walls and the walls the, i go by construction sites here and i'm just aghast like it's just it, they're just there's minimal insulation um and the ceilings are well now you have have to have a sealed ceiling space but my house built in the 1990s I look up in the ceiling space and I can see chinks of light coming through the tiles. <laughs> the it's, just, it's a dust bin. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, um, the building standards from the nice, and this is you know renovation. There's room for that. Yeah. Um, you're asking about my research there earlier, and I said you know I'm looking at uh, looking at plotting U values versus solar gain coefficient on contour plots, and this was inspired by a paper. And I'm going to read this out just the title of it in case you're members would like to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. It's called Performance Criteria for Residential Zero Energy Windows. And it was written by, most part, people who were in the Windows and Daylighting Group in the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. The lead author was Darius uh, Raste, who actually was the late Darius Raste, who has one of my supervisors, one of my thesis examiners from way back when. But some of the other names people remember, will recognize from Windows, Howdy Goody, uh, and others there. So, um, and what they did was they looked at a model, a house model, and they they looked at different types of windows. And they, they, they changed the windows in this house model 
you know, for all dynamics, they looked at dynamic windows, uh, double glazed, uh, different view values, single clear, double clear, double high gain, low E, et cetera. And then they plotted on this U, on this plot of U value versus uh, solar E gain coefficient, these contour plots, where these types of windows would fit. And they also identified, um, I'm mixing the terms here, but it was essentially a, a net zero energy contour plot where the window would neither, over the course of the year with heating and cooling loads, would neither add to nor detract from the um, from the uh, the thermal performance of the house. Essentially, there was no, if, if heat, the solar game was coming in, it would be counteracted by the savings okay. uh, on the other season. And it's a wonderful paper. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm actually replicating that you know, flattery is a, or imitation is the greatest mode of flattery. I'm re re replicating their study here in Australia because it's never been done before to identify what kinds of windows do you need for, say, Melbourne or Darwin, looking at a bunch of cities, um, to attain that net zero contour plot. Hmm. Uh, it's a great study. You know, folks want a really good academic treatment of, or practical academic treatment of Windows research. Look that up. Performance criteria for residential zero energy windows by Araste, A R A S T E H, it's and, and others. Cool. But, well, uh, maybe I'll have to throw a link to that um, onto the uh, onto the podcast notes or something like that, and uh, and we'll be able to uh, to direct people to that as well. That's uh, that's good stuff. Well, let's see, Thomas. What else do we need to cover here? Uh, uh, oh my God, we, we we had a we had a lot written down here. I don't know if we're going to get to all I think, this. I think you were asking me what what's what can we do to better windows make better windows and yeah give yeah let's 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 jump to that and 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 hit um and hit uh money money's, money's no object thomas what should we be doing well uh well in fact the question before that was you know generally how to make them better i don't think there's much we can do with low e coatings i mean we can only get them get them down to 0 0.03 to 0 0.04 i mean there may be issues about you know uh more durable ones that they put on the uh exposed surfaces on the inside or outside but you know the interior that's but i think that's done i think um the fills argon fill is going to remain the um practical low-cost fill i mean krypton yes is better performance but it's going to cost you more um i think the way to go is with frames to focus on frames if uh, lbnl and their windows and daylight program have you know sort of a truss type interior frame arrangement just working on frames and um these hybrid windows hybrid with like a vacuum window and mm -hmm. a third pane on top of that or mixed mm -hmm. in with that with an argon fill that's the, the way to go in dynamic windows and that that's typically perceived as you know whether mechanical shading or more practically if we're going to talk about window design electrochromics which i don't know much about so i'm not going to pretend or you know talk about that aside from that fact that i I recall there's one, you know, a sage glass where they say it's five ceramic layers and you put a, a, a current, and they say charge, but you put a current to it and the lithium ions go from layer to layer, basically tinting the glass, making it uh, colored and this are, you're going to reduce its visible transmittance and therefore the, uh, the solar gain through it. Um, I thought there was, that didn't exist in Australia. I thought it wasn't much of it, but I looked it up online. Yeah, there are companies that sell it here. They sell that sort of glass, or they also have for privacy for those from frosted to clear. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't, I've never seen it. It can't be that great. I, this is a type of window that you see on uh, the, the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. 
where you oh. can you can the, instead of pulling the shades down now you you change the the uh push a button to change the current to the window and it tints and right. you can get block out the sunshine pretty much entirely um i know that dreamliner well jumping back and back and forth across the Pacific, but you got I good think, at it. <laughs> I think those are the ways to go. I mean, dynamic windows are great because you can, you can let the sun shine in in the winter and restrict it in, in, in the summer. If you're in, in the summer, if you're willing to put up with that slight colorization of the, of the window in the summer, or you just have it programmed, you know, when the sun's out, um, it becomes tinted. Um, so frames, um, hybrid windows, and um, dynamic windows, I think, are the ways to uh, the areas of improvement. Absolutely. If money if, was no object. If money was, if money was no object, and 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 unfortunately, it always is. But yeah, yeah, exactly. We could do a lot of things if money was no object. Yeah. Listen, Thomas, this has been good. This has been this has been a lot. We're we're, we're right up against our hour, if not if not over. But uh, well, I, I'm actually I'm out of notes. Perfect. We, it, 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 we, we, we timed it just right. Thomas, it's really been great. It's really been great talking to you about this. It stuff. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable that, uh, that, that there you are with all this, all this window and door knowledge and you and I ended up in the same, in the same uh, uh, area of the construction pond after, uh, after all these years. <laughs> so it's been, uh, listen, thanks very much. And, and, Thank and you for the really, really, really love your, really love your comments about, uh, about the, um, you know the the state of the Australian industry, and I I think that's that's you know I hope some ears are pricking up across Canada about that because uh, it looks like uh, it looks like there's going to be some changes coming there that might be uh, might be uh, interested for people to explore for sure. Uh, Thomas, if people want to look uh, uh, look up you, look up your work, uh, uh, look up where you work, uh, where would they go for all that kind of information? Okay, uh, just uh, Google my name, Tom Simcoe, S-I-M-K-O, mm -hmm. and R-M-I-T, R-M-I-T, and then the contact details will come up there. Or I can just tell you my email address is tom.simcoe mm -hmm. at rmit.edu.au, and lead it from there. Or you're welcome to post it on with the podcast, whichever you wish. That's 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 fantastic, and 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 you never know, Thomas. You might get a call uh, or an email from a curious uh, a curious Canadian to. about all of that. These these stranger stranger things have happened. <laughs> okay, listen, Thomas, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me on Fenestration Conversations today. What a what a what a neat conversation. Thanks for the invite, and uh, good day, mate. All right, good day, mate. <laughs> Fenestration conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.